12 through 17. If you want to turn there, we'll be reading in just a minute. And um, let's see. Okay, thank you. And uh, the handout is purple. You should have a violet or purple handout and look like this. They're on the back. Uh, and uh, do any of you uh, come on Thursday night and hear Don Everson? Yeah, that was really, uh, really enjoyable. And uh, I think we received a blessing out of that. Very, very thankful to be able to hear him. And uh, uh, of course, I was kind of going around all the rest of the week going bum 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 because <laughs> he sang like I don't know seven different parts uh, like an orchestra but he, he he kind of made some music like that and it was real interesting and enjoyable and he was a joyful person and uh, and, and quite uh, quite an encourager he said his purpose was to come and encourage uh, us and what a blessing it is for a small church like us to be able to have somebody uh, come and, and share uh, the word and song and and uh, and also in uh, scripture as well. Uh, we've been looking at Colossians three verses twelve through seventeen, and uh, you should have a purple handout. And we'll start in a word of prayer. Let's pray, Father. Thank you so much for your goodness to us, for your encouragement, for uh, your blessings, and uh, we thank you for. This past week where you helped many of us uh, through trying times, through difficult times and joyous times. And we thank you for your provision for us, Father. I pray this morning as we look at uh, the uh, internal qualities and expressions of love in this passage in Colossians 3, 12 through 17, that you would help us to really embed in our minds the importance of uh, wearing the character of Christ, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you would help us to develop those qualities and virtues and the power of the Spirit that we might be more like you and the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit. I pray that you would help us to get a fresh look at that this morning. Even though we looked at it last week, I pray that as we looked at uh, forbearing and forgiving, that you would help us, Father, to truly uh, walk worthy of our vocation and our calling. And uh, I pray that you would be with each family that's here and bless them, each, each family represented here, that you would be with them and bless them. We pray for healing for those that are ill and struggling and uh, that you would be with those that are watching at home and uh, you would encourage them as well through our, our broadcast. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, uh, our, um, as our custom is, um, we want to read Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and uh, Steve has 12 through 14. If you would read for us, sir. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, <coughs> holy, beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, giving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Okay, and we had somebody uh, was going to read, but they uh, were called out, so I'll read for them. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. And verse 16 is Connie. And verse 17 is Cindy. Somehow when I hear those read, it makes me smile because there's such rich truths in them and they're, they're sweet truths that, that, uh, that really are a blessing. Um, so we have, of the t if you look at your handout here, uh, there are four sections that we've divided Colossians 3 verse 5 to Colossians 4 verse 6 into. And there, there are four themes, dead in the old, and the current one we're on, develop the new, verses 12 through 17 of chapter 3. And then 18 through chapter 4, 1 is, uh, verse 1 is to desire Christ-like relationships. And then the final D in the alliteration is chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, devote uh, ourselves to Christian duty. And then here, <coughs> excuse me, in verses 12 through 17, that's divided also into four sections. Uh, the first was the longest, and that's what we're on right now. Uh, 12 through 14, we're on verse 13, uh, is internal qualities and expressions of love. And then the inward rule of peace, verse 15, the indwelling of God's word, verse 16, and the in the name of Christ, verse 17. And in this section internal qualities and expressions of love, verses 12 through 14. We are, uh, ha have been instructed by Paul, told the Colossians and us, the believer needs to put on the new man, in verse 10, which is, uh, and put on the new man, which is renewed knowledge after the, after the image of him that created him. That new man is the new regenerate self that we receive at the time of salvation. So the Colossians, reading from the handout, the Colossians died with Christ to the old life and they were to mortify, make dead their members that were producing the sins in verse 5 and 8. Remember that big long list of sins? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, which is desire, uh, which is a lot shorter word, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And we say, well, there's no idolatry today. Yes, there is. Covetousness is idolatry. And we're good at it because our society is made up of the economy is, is what we buy. And things are so bad now. Remember, refrigerator used to live, oh, you live, would, <laughs> would last, uh, would last like 20 years. Nothing to have a refrigerator last 20 years. And now you're lucky if you get 10 out of it because they build everything so cheaply. And uh, so we have a society based on, on uh, really w trying to make you want the next best thing, right? And, and certainly I've never done that. Okay, so uh, we're in the middle of 
uh, paragraph B under eternal, internal qualities and expressions of love. They were to put off, and the, and the, the other sins were uh, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, and putting off lying in, in verse 9. They were to put off these evil things along with putting off the old man and his deeds in verse 9. And the imagery is here of stripping off a dirty, filthy garment. And now they're to clothe themselves with the garments that are fitting for the new man and a believer. We're to put on these garments. And also in the, in the grammatical expression here, there's a sense of great urgency. Do it now. So we... These garments, uh, I've kind of characterized as, as what are you wearing? Are you wearing the character of Christ? Now, <clears throat> pastor is phenomenal at illustrations, and I'm not, but I'm working on it. So I was thinking, you know, we all wear a lot of hats. You know, that, that we, in the 20th, 21st century, we talked about, okay, I have a hat and, and I wear a hat maybe as a Sunday school teacher. I wear a hat as a, as a, a song leader. I, I wear a hat as a, as, a, as a husband. And there's wives and we have family members. You know, we're mothers, brothers, sister, cousins, uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents, etc. So we all wear hats. And uh, uh, one of the hats that I wore... Uh, uh, not, of course, I would never want the next last greatest thing, but, but occasionally I collect stuff. So one day we were in a store, and now I, I don't, I'm not advocating this, and I'm not advertising it, okay? I was in a store, and I saw this dispenser, and it was really, it was really funny. I would say cute, but I'm a guy, and I don't say cute. It was really funny. <laughs> really, and I thought, that's really neat. That's so, that's so innovative. And I thought, I'm going to buy that, you know. So I bought this dispenser, and you put the candy that it dispenses in it, and, and it comes out when you do a certain thing. So I brought one to show you, okay? Okay. So <clears throat> there's a point here. Bear with me. Okay. So this one's really funny. It's a little airplane, Right. And, and he comes, can you see, I brought a big thing so you can see it. So you take this guy off the top, you put the M&Ms in here, not advertising, put the M&Ms in here, and then when you turn the propeller, or certain way, put this back on, when you, put, you turn the propeller a certain way, they come out on the side right here into the wing, just to make sure you always have plenty, and they're out, right? So we have probably... 50 of these things, not this kind, but just different things. And one of them was a Christmas tray, and it actually talked, even when you didn't have, even when you didn't touch it. It, it, was, it was haunted. Not, I'm not advocating that. <laughs> that's a joke. That's, uh, that's a metaphor. Uh, it would do its, it was, had a mind of its own. So I really love these things. Somehow I got a, a, attracted to these things, and I collected them. And they would, you know, at some points of our life together, I had them all over the place, right? But then we put, put enough up to where it didn't look like it was an M&M &M store. So, <laughs> so, 
uh, even had a little remote control car that would go down, a little VW that would drive remote control. I never saw it before. Just want, you know, even an M&M telephone that when you it rang, it would say your agent's calling you. You know, and the world would turn and all this kind of stuff. Those things were really attractive, and I really loved those things, and I got a kick out of them. So one day I was in the store, and I saw this, and I thought uh, it was this one, but it was one like this. It's a M&M t-shirt. So this is a little bit loud for me to wear something red like this. With It, it has the face of the M&M, and I supply, I, I supply the round body, right? So, <laughs> so I wore this, right? So I'm wearing a representation of M&Ms. You know, I wore that as a fun thing so that people would, you know, as an expression of my character and personality, I wore this. And so... We are to wear, much more seriously, we're to wear the character of Christ when we are dealing with the world and we're out and even with our families. We are to wear the character of Christ. That's what the Lord wants us to do and that's what we've been talking about is wearing the character of Christ. And I use that silly illustration as a memorable thing to help you remember uh, don't wear M&M t-shirts. Wear the character of Christ. And that's a metaphor for acting. And several times in the last month or so, when I've started to engage someone in a non-appropriate manner, I'm going, well, this isn't consistent with the character of Christ. This isn't loving. This isn't compassionate. Uh, what are those other things? This is not... Uh, uh, kind. This is not humble for sure. So uh, this is not patient. And that has helped me. So I would hope that when you are involved in doing business, as one of my friends calls it, you're out there and among them and you're talking or you're at home, you will wear the character of Christ. What are you wearing? You should be wearing the character of Christ, not M&M. Okay. So uh, number C uh, Paul uses as the motivation in verse 12 that they should obey the command to put on these five spiritual qualities listed in uh, verse 12b because they were uh, chosen of God, they were holy and beloved. And the things they were to put on were the heart of compassion or bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering in verse 12. And those five qualities have been often called the, the um, Pentagon of Virtues. I, I like that. And then the, one of the key verses I wanted to remind us of is Romans 13, 14. I referred to it earlier. Paul uses this word put on again to say, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Wearing the character of Christ helps us not be uh, 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 fulfill the lusts of the flesh and live in the flesh. So we're to wear the characters of Christ and these qualities are connected to Christ and God and, they're, and this is a sentence in your handout. They're evidence of his love to us, his love in us and our love to him and our love to others. So it helps us properly, those qualities uh, control the way we act and they're an expression. And love is in and over all these qualities, and so we should wear them. Um, 
So I, we, let's look at bowels of mercy as just a term that uh, reflects concern and pity and, and tenderness towards those that are suffering and miserable. Kindness is a combination of words that expresses the qualities of goodness, kindliness, and graciousness. If you'll turn to page two in your handout. Page two in the handout. Uh, and by the way, at home, if you don't get the handout, uh, uh, I wouldn't want to hear me talk without hearing, getting a handout. Uh, you contact the office, Cindy, and she'll be glad to get you one. Okay. Humbleness and lowliness of mind and meekness. Those two I put together. Now, most of the time, I just put a one sentence when I was discussing these qualities. But for, for meekness, I, I put that description in again because it's extremely hard to for us to understand what meekness is. I struggled with it for years. What is meekness? The Lord was meek and lowly in, in uh, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I, we know what the Lord was and did. He, he, um, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, uh, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, we know the Lord was meek and lowly, and Paul, number of places, he took that lowliness and meekness, and he expressed them as distinctive virtues, and he mandated that they be part of a worthy walk and that they're connected to love. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, uh, they're also connected to, to things we'll be talking about today, long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. So Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another and love. And that's exactly what he is going to say uh, in this passage. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Lowliness and meekness are connected. It's associated with long suffering and patience. And it's also connected to forbearing one another in love. So, long suffering, let me just say uh, one or two words about meekness. The best thing I saw on uh, meekness uh, when I was looking at this, uh, besides that quote that I gave last week, is that uh, humility is first a quality that was exemplified by Christ in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 1 through 9, where it talks about uh, him um, who's humility being exemplified by Christ. He said, if there's therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels of mercies, fulfill me, ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. So they should have love and unity. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Okay, here's your example 
of being meek and lowly and um, the, the example is Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself in coming. He was the second person of the Trinity. He came, the creator of the universe. He came down and became a man. He obediently went to the cross and uh, suffered that humility at the cross and taking on the sins of the world and died and rose again. And the Bible says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. But he is the perfect, he is the, he, he personified perfectly and ultimately humility. Now, he was also meek. And meek, what I came up with and I read was meekness is an inward grace or virtue of the soul where the soul is primarily focused on God accepting his will and direction without resistance honoring God and placing God above self in relationship to others it's consideration of the rights and feelings of others it's not weakness or helplessness but it's an attitude resulting in self-control and restraint it's been called power under control the lord could have called 10,000 angels uh, when they were crucifying him could have called 100,000 angels uh, could have called a million angels when they were crucifying him but he this he had power under control. He knew what God the Father wanted him to do, and he did it. Now, long-suffering is a self-restraint which allows a person to bear an injury and insult without retaliation or revenge. So those are the five qualities that are opposite the ones in verse 8 that are not exactly opposite, but, but they are in contrast to those where... It talks about uh, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. And those are contrasted. So summary here, Paul tells the Colossians and us to clothe ourselves in the completely consistent character and conduct of Christ. And that's compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, gentleness and patience. All of which are reflections of his love. Now in verse 13, Forbearing and forgiving. He writes, Paul writes, okay, not me. If it's not me, I'm glad. That's the only thing. It's okay if it's you. If it's me, it's bad. Okay. All right. So uh, he says, uh, verse 13, put for, uh, he's, he actually, well, let's, I'll read verse 13. Forbearing and one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so also do ye okay so these two verbs end in ing and uh, in grammar when you have that uh, 
it is it's called a participle. It can be ed or ing. And a participle is a um, adjective where verbs are used as adjectives to describe action of the of a previous verb and uh, describe the action and participation uh, of of the of that of the person in that. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is when that long suffering here is the um, what God has the quality the Lord wants us to have and Paul mentions and we are to long be engaged in long suffering how by forbearing one another and forgiving one another so those verbs become adjectives as participles describing how we are to be long-suffering. And he did that in Ephesians 4 as well. He said, <coughs> with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So those are pretty much parallel passages there, which you often see in Paul's letters. So we are to forbear one another, and we are to be forbearing Christians. <clears throat> now, um, there are two things, forbearing and forgiving. So number one is to forbear. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't usually talk to Cindy and say, I got to really forbear with so-and-so, you know. We don't use that word a lot, but it still applies. Uh, forbearing, it means to be willing to tolerate or endure with those <coughs> excuse me, whose personality and faults and their nature annoys, provokes, or irritate us. Now, I'm sure no one here irritates you. <laughs> Except me. Okay. What? Can't he speak? What, what is he saying? You know? Uh, um, in a group... The closer you get to people, the more you see the rough edges. Now, if you don't think you have a rough edge, ask your spouse. <laughs> ask your family member. They'll be glad to share your rough edges with you. Don't ask too sincerely because you may get more than you want. But we all have rough edges. And those things which annoy, provoke, or irritate us. Uh, it may be uh, some people are strong-willed. It may be that some people have a crazy accent. It may be some people always want to have their way. It may be some people are never say anything. It, may, it could be, you know, the person is blonde instead of brunette. I don't know, you know. Maybe the person wears the hair funny. Don't, don't really look here. Okay, so this word reflects uh, the fact that we should have mutual self-control when two people are in conflict or opposition. Uh, Paul also uses that in 4, 1 through 3, uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians, verses 1 through 3, verse 2. He said, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. That is how we walk worthy. He says, I, I, therefore, Paul, as a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. How do we walk worthy? With lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So they, 
Paul really emphasizes that. Um, and this, uh, this, look at paragraph 6a, the last sentence in that. And see, I italicized and underlined this um, uh, sentence. This indicates, Paul's indicating, the word of God indicates, a worthy walk includes forbearing one another as evidence of love for each other in Christ. That means that's a measurement of how much we love each other and how much we love Christ. Now that's a bit, that's a strong statement. Oh, you say, I love the, oh, that's one, I think our first song this morning is, oh, how I love Jesus. One measure of how much I love the Lord is how much I love you and how much I love you in Christ is a measurement of my forbearance with you. Am I patient? And am I long-suffering? Am I willing to tolerate your rough edges? Uh, and, and I want to make a strong point that I'm not talking about tolerating sin. I'm talking about tolerating the struggles of a sinner saved by grace who is working to try to be more like Christ and working on sanctification. So we all rub each other differently. Some of us are more tolerant than others. Some of us have more need to be tolerant of others. Some of us have a lot of things to be tolerant of. And so I wanted these, now these are questions for you in your handout. You see the questions next. How hard is it to be uh, forbearing and tolerant of others and their eccentricities and as Sidney and I say, craziness? Okay, not of others, but of ourselves. How, do, how hard is it to do that? It really can be nearly impossible. If you don't think it's hard, uh, get close to me and I'll show you. <laughs> it's very hard. Thank you. It's very hard to do that. Because we, yes? Sometimes it's hard because we're seeing the reflection of our Yes. That's so good. I didn't know I write that down. We're seeing the reflections of ourselves, and so we, we, and we don't like that. No, and sometimes that's the reason spouses have troubles because they see the reflections of themselves and the other and the others. Yeah, it's it's hard. Some some of us, you know. In fact, a lot of us in a in a, a Bible church we're conservative and we've had to stand against evil, and so we have strong wills. You know, we're entrenched in 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 things, and so we're not easily moved from those things and uh, we have the I'm in charge you know syndrome and it's hard and it's sometimes it's frustrating because it's, the thing that irritates you the person will do over and over and over and over again and you just want to say stop maybe they sing badly I don't know you know uh, uh, we need to surrender our wills we need to be submissive we need to be patient we don't always want to be wanting our own way. Why should we do this? Question billet number two. Why should we be forbearing? That's the first thing I have down. We're commanded to do this. Why do you think God commands us to do that? Be more like Christ. Be more like Christ. That's, it certainly pleases and honors him. Uh, 
What does being, what does not forbearing cause? It will cause bitterness. Yes. Bitterness. The, the, the Beatitudes tells us in, in Matthew 5 that we should pray for those that <coughs> prosecute us, that talk about us, that do things against us, just as the prophets yes. before our time. Yes. Um, absolutely. Bitterness, and bitterness causes division and um, the one of the things I wrote down is that this forbearing one another, being tolerant and loving and accepting, promotes unity, and it's an evidence of love. It's an evidence of our love for each other and Christ, and it thwarts Satan. Satan looks for those little cracks to come in and to hammer on and hammer on. Um, and uh, it, the worthy walk that you mentioned, and um, and it really prevents disunity. Yes? You ever notice that the, the one thing that you struggle the most with is the thing that you're going to, that the Lord just keeps saying, well, let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So how is forbearing related to love? We need to love these people or that yes. person yes. in all areas yeah. in, to get over the hurt. Yeah. Uh, and the only way we can get over that hurt is to take it to the Lord. Yes. But as long as we have hurt and bitterness, yes. that's going to affect our prayer life. Yes. Because God cannot work in our hearts. Yes. So our hearts are full of bitter. Yes. Hurt. Amen. Amen. So in other words, just move on and be focused on the cross. Right. Right. Amen. These people are a work in progress, right? I, I've, I've seen, um, I, periodically somebody will introduce, you know, their new, new girlfriend or their new boyfriend or their fiance or whatever. And, uh, and I'm sure this happened to Cindy uh, uh, when she introduced me to some of her friends. How in the They say, how in the world can she love a guy like that? He's got so many flaws. Look at that guy. What a clown, you know? And, and, uh, and I don't, they'll probably don't say that about the ladies, but, you know, uh, love covers a lot. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins, and our su subject is not covering sins here, but the, the idea is love gives us another filter. And we're able to see people's possibilities rather than their foibles and their failures. And uh, we should be motivated by love, as you said, and that helps. Uh, and it's an evidence of love, and it shows that we love each other. Um, how is humility, final question, how is humility related to forbearing? Sometimes we don't want to bow down. We don't want to admit no. Which yeah. is E-G-O, which is edging God out. Yes, no, yes. We don't, we don't want to go there. Yes. But our, our human being wants to go there. Right. And Satan's always putting those little thoughts in our hearts yeah, and right. minds to go there. Yeah. But just the, the relatively, uh, we, we just need to uh, 
to lower ourselves, so not so much lower, right. but we just need to realize that this is part of life, Yes. and, and ask God to help us to get through this, and to go on. Um, sometimes, uh, yes. And realizing that we ourselves yeah. <laughs> have, have a lot of work in progress. Yes. 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 That's the submissiveness part of that, where we submit to God and others. First Peter five five pastors quoted a number of times recently. Submit yourselves one to another. You know, uh, the passage talks about submitting. Uh, the, the younger to the older and because uh, the younger always have the answer right and uh, but also we're to submit ourselves to one another and we um, there's a humility when we say I don't like what so and so's doing and that irritates me that essentially is we're making some type of judgment against them that whatever they're doing is irritating to me and so it shouldn't they have a better way to do it the way I do it's better however and so we're we're setting ourselves up to be an authority and we need to be more loving and tolerant and caring and see them in through those glasses of love what their possibilities are and we need to love them and pray for them and encourage them depending on what the issue is and the second, or the, the sentence there, uh, right kind of just below the middle of the page, below, the, below those four uh, questions, the failure of Christians to forbear is probably the most prolific cause of Christian division. Uh, Moulton said that. And so I would ask you, do you forbear others? I tell you, I am not as forbearing as I need to be. And if I'm not, then I could be a source of disunity and a source of uh, irritation for others. Uh, oh, that's God. He's a know-it-all. He always thinks he has the answer, you know. So I, 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 don't, I, need, to be, I need to be forbearing, and as do all of us. So the big one here is forgiving one another. And I think that we, we, we see this more than we think about forbearing. So to forgive means, this is the second thing that Paul is saying, they need to be long-suffering by forbearing and forgiving. And um, to forgive means to pardon freely for an offense, to cease to blame or hold resentment, or to free someone from an obligation, to remove all ill will, and to cancel a debt. So before I read a definition, I want to read this quote to you. Uh, in his book, Lee, The Last Years, and he's talking about Robert E. Lee, Charles Bracelin Flood reports that after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee, who only lived five years after the Civil War, that's not really well known, and it's said that he did more than any other American to heal the wounds between the North and South because people in the South and some in the North looked to him for leadership and he said, it's over. We need to go back to be citizens of the United States and we need to live peaceable lives and uh, do what God has ordained us to do. Anyway, 
This report by uh, Charles Braceland Flood says after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee visited a Kennedy lady, Kentucky lady, excuse me, who took him to the remains of a grand old tree in front of her house, and she bitterly cried and said the limbs uh, and the trunk had been destroyed by federal artillery fire, and she looked to Lee, uh, Robert E. Lee, for a word condemning the North, or at least sympathizing with their loss. And the tree meant a lot because the kids had grown up around the tree and it was a family thing. After a brief silence, Lee said, cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. And his thoughts were, it's better to forgive the injustices of the past to allow them to remain and fester and then let bitterness take root and poison the rest of our lives. Yeah, I kind of became interested in Robert E. Lee because there was a pastor in uh, a church, Bellevue Baptist Church, that was very large. And uh, his name was R.G. Lee, and he was a pastor there from the 50s. And uh, this was one of the first largest churches, one of the first large churches that I was aware of. I didn't go there, and it was a long ways away. And I think I only attended there a couple of times. But he had a famous sermon called Payday Someday about Jezebel, Ahab and Naboth who had the vineyard that Ahab wanted and he pouted because he couldn't have the vineyard and Elijah he took it anyway and he took it away from Naboth who had nothing and Elijah came and confronted him about it and the sermon is payday someday I actually looked that up and watched part of it last night in, uh, for this anyway so we're at forgive one another and the definition I have is in your handout uh, forgiving one another is regarding a fellow believer who has wronged or offended you without contempt or resentment, but with love and compassion, not holding him answerable to you for his wrong or its consequences, but allowing him to be accountable fully to God. Now, Pastor uh, Scott gave this definition. I actually went back and looked it up uh, when I did the one another commands on, on um, forgiving. And his definition, and I quote, <laughs> a distinguished man, forgiveness gives up my right to justice and judgment, pardons the offender from my personal justice, and surrenders the offender to the justice and punishment of God. Now, <clears throat> what is your response to a perceived issue with another believer? There are two choices that you could have. When you come in contact with something that's happened, so I'm going to make up a hypothetical thing, and we're going, to, we're going to do, you be the theologian. What I'm asking you to do is make a determination, this is pretty easy, of what's right biblically. So you are the person number one, and the, you have been wronged, or you perceive to be wronged by person number two. I'm going to call him Sal, and if you're a lady, it's Sally. Okay, <laughs> so choice one, well, first of all, uh, Sal came up to your best friend and criticized you harshly. Your best friend comes and tells you, Sal or Sally said this about you, and it was harsh. <clears throat> so if it was me, it would have been, he's a terrible speaker. He can't get two words out without saying, ah, oh, or whatever. Okay. So, or he has, he has a horrible illustration, so that's another one. Okay, so choice one, 
is, now this is before you might engage, this is initial attitude before you might engage of going like Matthew 18 and talking to the person and trying to reconcile it. So this is choice one. Revenge, this is based on verse 31 of um, Ephesians 4. Revenge, anger, resentment, animosity, bitterness, indignation, slander, spite, ill will, quarreling, name calling, and similar. I wanted to cover a lot of bases. Choice two, kindness, compassionate, loving hearted, merciful, humble, gentle, patient, gracious, peaceful, loving, forgiving, and similar. What would you do or how would you be? How would you act? Now let's flip over to the top of page two, three, excuse me. So I think the natural reaction and the first choice of most of us initially, maybe one or two little things in that list uh, we might think about first and might go, how dare they say that, you know? But first choice is our natural fleshly and worldly response. That's, our, that's what we would do. Um, and Satan encourages those things and they, it gets worse and they, usually bitterness arises. Then you have disharmony. But Satan uses these things to create and disrupt and destroy our unity and fellowship by creating arguments and disagreements and disunity. And the second choice is a spirit-filled Christian's response, which God uses to build love, unity, and Christ-likeness. So I didn't ask you which one you do because I wanted to save time and also uh, I didn't want to keep you from being honest. <laughs> okay. So now you notice the next sentence is in big type. It's italicized and it's underlined and I put red stuff all over it because I wanted to make sure that I shared this with you. One of the most revealing aspects and measures of a believer's relationship with God it's a barometer, if you will. It's a temperature gauge. It's one of, the, one of the most revealing aspects and measures of a believer's relationship with God and a Christian's maturity is the way he or she reacts to other Christians who offend or hurt him or her. Whoa. Don't say that. <laughs> Whoa. Now, I tell you, you can never control what people are going to say. Um, there used to be an old television show, Art Link Letter. Kids say the funniest things, right? So uh, you can never tell what people are going to say to you. Sometimes they're offensive and don't even mean to be offensive. Uh, I had a friend that I worked with. He said, I'm known for saying the wrong thing at the right time. And he did. He was incredible. I never, never saw anything like that. He, he always said the wrong thing. He always said something that wound up being offensive or, or strange. Uh, you can never control what people say to you. But you can always control what you say to other people, can't you? So what we say is what we're held accountable for. The Lord holds them accountable for what they say. And how you respond and react is what we're held accountable for. Are we wearing the character of Christ? Is that helping us respond using these qualities that we just looked at and talked about? Lowliness and meekness and humbleness and long-suffering and forbearing and kindness. Uh, Paul encourages the Corinthians to forgive so Satan will not disrupt their fellowship. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.10 tells us 
Uh, Satan wants to use our unwillingness to forgive as a tool to destroy and disrupt our fellowship in Christ and our effectiveness as Christians, both individually and in the body of Christ. So I think we'll stop there. Uh, and uh, I... Um, and for us to ponder. There's much to ponder there. I don't think there's a person in here that could not benefit from um, growing in Christ and maturing in Christ and being more Christ-like in our relationship with others and, and in, our, in our, uh, our, our Christian outlook. Um, questions? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Betty, sorry. Thank you. Payday Sunday. Was that... I, I don't know if I've read that or not, but who is, who is the author of that? R.G. Lee. Yeah. Uh, and you can find it on YouTube. I just found it right away. It wasn't hard at all. Uh, Payday Sunday, and uh, it's, it's real... Now, he preaches in the old style, but he preached that a thousand times. And it, that sermon in the South had a horrendous... Uh, well, it was, uh, you know, uh, it had a very tremendous effect on a large number of people, and people asked for that all the time. And I actually heard it in person one time, but I was young, and I, I didn't have enough life experience to get the full effect of it. So uh, look that up. It's not related to this, but it's, 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 <laughs> it's related to a lot of the things that Ahab and Jezebel were doing. Uh, so... Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this, this class. I thank you, Father, for these wonderful folks that are so attentive and, and, and uh, tuned in and what a joy it is to share truth with them and, and fellowship around your word. I pray your blessing upon each family and person represented here and that you would be with them. We pray for those that couldn't be with us, traveling, illness, sickness, health. Uh, other needs, uh, caring for family. Pray your blessing upon them. Pray that you'd be with the service to follow, uh, that you would bless it, and I pray we would honor you in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.